they say, oh, you know, the, the radicals are turning into the police. And a piece of me is like, I got a joke for that. My name is not Sharif, Sharifa. You can call me Sheriff if you want to. You know what I mean? Like there's a new fucking sheriff in town. It's right here. Like these are my rules and my laws that you're going to have to abide by if you want to be in my space because it ain't the laws that are out there. I don't know what you guys mm. are thinking. I don't know what is happening. So it's kind of like we are the police, you know? And so we're trying to do a policeman's job except I never wanted to be a popo day in my life. But mm. if I'm not the police protecting my block, protecting my family, protecting my body, who is? This is Pussy Empowered Podcast, and I'm your host, Alyssa Aparicio. I'm equal parts Bronx bitch and mountain witch. I believe that when you untame your pussy, you access your power. As a pussy empowerment coach, I teach women how to do this with a holistic approach that incorporates mind, body, emotion, and spirit. As a sacred erotic creatrix, I surrender to new heights of embodied, expressed art, and performance myself. On this podcast, I share about my approach to pussy power and interview fellow paradigm-shifting badasses about theirs. What you're about to hear is part of a seven-conversation series on demystifying stripping and decolonizing sexual empowerment. If you don't already know, you're about to find out that Nadia Sharif is a badass. In the world of pole dance and general bad bitchery, she is well-known and widely respected for her fiery, bold movement style, and commitment to using her voice to speak truth. In this chat, we'll learn about how she went from corporate career in technical engineering to pole performer, pole engineer, teacher, and founder of Twisted Movement Dancewear. We talk about the sex worker discrimination that has become apparent in the industry of pole dance as it has grown. We talk about Nadia's recent video speaking out about the problematic use of the word exotic that went viral and what that experience has been like. And we talk about her experience as an American woman of Mexican-Pakistani heritage and so much more. Here we go. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. I've been um, actually following your story. I found I found you via Nova Kane. Um, she had shared oh. your, your video before the Netflix app came out. And you were like, you know, uh, expressing a lot of uncertainty because it was not out yet and then yeah. it came out and then you were like a whole new bitch but I was like oh here she is I saw you get born I saw you come to life and that was really empowering for That's me so to funny. witness as well because I know there's a lot of look there's a lot of crazy shit going on and it's hard to stay focused on what is most important and you know they always say change starts at home so mm-hmm. we start here mm-hmm. Damn. Um, so I yeah I think these um conversations are very 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 important I hope you don't mind if I hit this one no go for it please well I'm super honored because I've been following you for a long time now and I'm such a fan and like such a fan of your movement the way you carry yourself and also how you speak your truth so powerfully and I I was like I think even before I shared my video like you had put out a really fierce video talking and now I don't remember the subject but I was like 
she's doing it. She's using her voice. I can do it. I can do it. So I've done yes, so you much can. inspiration for you from you. So I just want to say that for starters. And you know what's really funny? Um, uh, one of my mentors, Apollo Sadiq, yesterday, we were on the phone and he was just like, have you ever met Nadia? And mm. I was like, we're actually going to meet face to face for the first time tomorrow. And she was like, he was just like, oh, oh my gosh, I was just thinking how y'all would get along so well. Uh, Aww, I love connect. Apollo. <laughs> uh, I love him so much. <laughs> so that was a psychic, psychic connection he had there because here we are finally meeting face to face. Yeah, it's very exciting. And thank you for your patience. It's just been kind of a whirlwind and kind of like a lot to take in. Plus, I also have a life outside of the internet that's, you know, real too. So I appreciate your patience for me to gather myself and be able to. I realized language is very powerful and the words we use are extremely powerful. And language is something I'm still working on finding my words to to you know to to vibrate in the way that uh is most helpful for today which it mm. can get lost in a lot of emotion and it can get lost in personal um you know personal problems or personal uh trauma so it's it's something that yeah it's been it's been kind of crazy but I, I gotta say I love I love that we can have these kind of conversations now and it's not weird. Mm -hmm. Totally. Thank you for saying that. Cause like something that I have said for a while is that I am physically extroverted and then vocally introverted. And I think like, cause dance is my first language. Um, it's taking me a while to get used to trusting my voice to the same level that I trust my body. And I'm not there yet, but it's been, interesting to feel that the more that I trust my body the more I trust my voice and vice versa the more I trust my voice I can feel like a shift in the way I move I'm wondering if that's something that you can like does that resonate with you absolutely I think like for me sometimes people would say like oh Nadia you turned so political and I was thinking to myself my movement has always been political my statement has always been political it just was never vocalized mm. but it was in my dance every single time you've seen it you know what I mean? Mm. Every single time. That's why you hire me because I'm coming to you with nothing but rage, you know, and that's like, that's my voice. And so then as soon as I started speaking, it was kind of like um, people were able to understand me a little bit more. And then a lot of the controversial feelings started to come out and it's like, I didn't change. It's just now my language is no longer movement to serve you. It's a voice to serve myself and people are going to I get bothered by that mm. so hard you know mm. so it's it's crazy the way language works and the way our minds work like that you know it's kind of I, I do think about it a lot not that I have any conclusions or anything but it's interesting to gather yes it's so interesting um not something that that I've been trying to address recently and I don't know if you saw but I, I did a workshop yesterday about being seen and heard. And I included you as one of the examples of like somebody who's been using your voice so much and um, it's like how it reverberates so powerfully and something that I want to like, just keep talking about too, is um, how, 
how are like we think that people who use their voices are people that have that know how to do it or something or sometimes when we're not on that side yet we're just like that person is so brave and so comfortable and confident but it's rarely I don't know it doesn't seem like it's very it's from from my very little experiences using my voice it's just been something I've thrown myself into and I would love to hear like what the process of using your voice has been like and this ties into the conversation around like the recent video that you shared around the word um, using the word exotic and how problematic that is. Um, and also, you know, like the aftermath of that, like what happened, what waves happened within and without, you know, um, okay, like, yeah, a lot. <laughs> okay, let, yeah, let me let me go piece by piece. So, I mean, to even make these videos, it sounds crazy. But for me, it's it's an art and it's a flow that my favorite kind of videos are the ones that I don't have to edit, that I'm just speaking it and, and it all somehow comes together. I study comedy a lot. I study um, even people that do TED Talks. I study people that speak and the big difference between like TED Talks and comedy is the entertainment, obviously. But what you find is if you can mix entertainment and education, it's something that really sticks and it's really enjoyable, you know, and it's a part of our brain that says, this is serving me, so I'll listen to it. So for me, I also, I, I like it to feel organic and natural and I like it to, you know, um, resonate as something real because especially on the internet, you don't know what's real, what's fake anymore, you know? So for me, keeping it super raw and real is my art. That's like, as an artist, that's how I think about using my voice. And I practice videos all the time. I probably have 10,000 videos and only three seen the internet, you know? Mm. So it, that, that's one thing. And then, so it becomes obsessive, which you also find is very common in the comedian world as well, is then it's the other thing of, okay, now I put this, um, this video out there. Woo! That was wild, okay? I'm going to be honest. I put it out there without an expectation. That's how I put out all my art. You like it? Cool. You don't? Cool. You know, it is what it is. And so I put it out there and I didn't know. I didn't know if everybody was going to be super mad at me. If everybody was going to hate me. Of all my clientele, the word exotic is so heavily used mm -hmm. in the poll community that I was literally, I felt like I was banging on my own community. Like, yo, you're all fucking up. And then you start mm. to see who's doing it and why they're doing it. And there's different reasons and there's different excuses and there's different um, scenarios that led this to be. And it's all understandable because it's so normalized and, uh, you know, perpetuated by commercialism. So if you're making money, obviously it's a commercial, you know, so it's kind of all intertwined so deeply. But I, I think the, the weirdest part is that as to me, it was overall an extremely positive experience, all of it. Okay, so in the beginning, all the comments were like, mostly a lot of white people saying like, shit, I had no idea, thank you, mm -hmm. doing better. That's fucking huge, that's mm -hmm. huge. All these teachers saying like, thank you, I didn't realize. That's, that's a big positive move. And then there was a lot of stories of a lot of, mixed mixed Asians um even uh mixed Latinas uh just all these people in the in the middle so to speak 
that were like, yeah, now I realize why I never liked that word. Now I realize why I was like, huh? Because it's confusing, you know? And then I obviously had to talk to um, other, you know, everybody. I had to question everybody about what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because mm -hmm. it's not just my opinion here, you know? It's my feeling that I have to investigate to find the words to make it super clear. And so mm -hmm. you have to include everybody. You got to include white people, black people, and people in the middle. And so it's kind of like, there's a bunch of different angles and views, which is why sometimes it's okay for me. If you're a black sex worker using the word exotic, that's a thumbs up for me. That's fine. Mm. Okay. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit maybe, mm, but I get it. I get it. You're, you're buying into a white supremacist ideology because that's where the money's at. So make your money. But mm. for everybody just teaching pole classes to mostly soccer moms and rad, it doesn't make any sense. It does, and it's, it's now it's stealing. And so it's so like subliminal and so hidden that I knew some people were, the people not commenting are the ones that felt the strongest. And mm -hmm. I was like, I know there's going to be conversations. I know there's going to be some discussions that can be confrontational. And a lot of skeletons going to come out the closet because when you start to find out why people don't want to get rid of the word, you realize it is inherently capitalist and racist. And so now mm. it's like, do you support your, your racist studio owners or racist you know, teachers? Uh, that's not up to me to decide, you know? And it's kind of a weird, weird thing that, that I do. And this is, I think now the, 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 the side that looked very negative on the internet. To me, it was still a positive experience, but, um, and very educational and rewarding and something I never felt before, but it, it was, it was like, okay, there was, obviously there was backlash. There was people that, there was a slanderous page made about Nova. Okay, so about my style, let me try to clear this up. My style of doing these videos is I name drop. It is a, not a good look. I do not recommend doing it unless you have to and unless you're trying to roll the dice because every time you name drop, somebody might like the name that you're dropping and now uh, I drew a line up to you. You know what I'm saying? And so- I name drop because I don't want to use isms. I don't want to use generalizations. I don't want to use mm. blanket terminology. That's not the way to speak. So you could call me dirty for, for name dropping, but I'm telling you who it is. I didn't say mm. all Russian exotic teachers are whorephobic. No, I said Daria was because I heard it. And it was in front mm. of hundreds of people. Wasn't even a secret. So it's kind of a, okay. So I also, I name drop Novocaine. Ugh. People feel some kind of way about Novocaine. When she came into the pole world, everybody was scared, scared, scared. And this goes back to 2014 or whatever. You know, this goes back many years that people have been very threatened by Nova and her, her, her life and her experience and her way and her, her sharing her story. And so I name dropped her. And because a lot of this work is hers. To me, it was a credit. I'm not going to try to say I thought about all this by myself. I had listened to Nova and I tried to, huh, hold on. Cause I never used the term. I saw it everywhere, but I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't even feel comfortable with that hashtag. If I took a, a Russian exotic class or an exotic mm -hmm. class, I would, it would feel weird to me and I wouldn't understand why. And so mm -hmm. she kind of helped me understand why. And it started to make me realize like little small things that I didn't think about, like, like my hair or, 
the way I look or, you know what I mean? It's just, it is what it is. And you walk through this, this world with this body every day. So it doesn't seem like anything. And then you realize, yeah, these, these things, they, to sexualize somebody that looks, I hate to say this exotic or looks non-white, let's just say, you know what I mean? Something is, is striking to you or looks different from American norm, then automatically if, if, uh, if it's not, I want to fuck you, it's, I want to fight you. So it's mm. almost the nicer of two evils to say, I want to fuck you. Thank you. That means you're not going to try to kill me or maybe mm. afterwards you will. And so it's this fucker. If people say fight or flight, I say it's fucker fight. You know what I mean? Like those are our two options here. So, you know, it's kind of in that vein where it just seems, it seems really silly to, to use it when you start to hear the context. And so even the backlash, to be honest, you could call me dismissive if you want to, you could call me whatever, but I listened to all of it. I had it. I had one black stripper in my DMs that I know this person in real life, lives local to me, uh, supported this person for a really long time. So I'm, I'm open, but I'm not really, what? Oh, I'm anti-black now? Okay. Like, I'm not anti-black, but I am anti-whack and whack comes in every color. So, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like that. And so I think because it was secondhand drama, because I name dropped Nova and there's like some other shit that I don't really know, know about. Honestly, that mm-hmm. video got sent to to people in what I consider higher ups. I'm not a, you know, I'm not an ally, so to speak, or I'm not a, an advocate. I'm, I'm just a, I'm a fucking thug out here in these streets. I don't know how to say it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. I don't work for nobody. I don't have a PR management team. Fire me if you don't like it, you know? And mm. so it's kind of like, it's kind of like that too, where it's like, uh, I said what I said. I'm not sorry about any of it. You know, it's sensitive. So for there to be emotional shit is okay. But I honestly think that when that video continued to get eyes because of the backlash, to me, that was still a positive thing. Because mm. now even people in higher positions when I say higher positions I mean people that really um do work in advocacy like work in actual programs and organizations and do more than just donate they actually donate their life and time to working on these kind of projects they saw it and nobody Mm -hmm. told me shit so it is what it is at that point and then you know I think a lot of support got lost so we were pole dancers were looking at, you know, black strippers for, for understanding everything. And then when you, when you waste your time on just trying to shit up, minimize me and my work, now everybody sees what you're about and it's not my fault. Uh, if you wanted mm. support, I offered it. It wasn't the support that you were lacking. It wasn't support that you didn't get from me. Uh, I don't, so I don't know. They say I'm chasing clout, but you're the one tagging me though. I don't get it. Mm. You know, like Mira, I don't know what that's about. Uh, mm. like, yeah, I, I wasn't, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't aware at all about backlash. So hearing this is all new to me. And, um, but yeah, it's interesting to hear like all of the post post video navigations um, where like probably at least a whole week became of your life became about responding and (laughs) probably more you know and like um and like you said that it's getting to it's such a wide range of people um it's the reverberations 
so yeah. powerful. It, it's interesting because like a lot of it was, was sharing these deep kind of stories, which I always feel some kind of way about that because like, don't tell me you're traumatic shit because I can't help you. You know what I mean? Don't open up the floodgates for me. I'm not your therapist. I don't know how to deal with that. But it was kind of a lot of, honestly, a lot of Asians that were sharing their their story with Exotic where they really felt something, you know, very strongly about it. And it just seems so relevant now that it's like, hello, I told you. It's the words that you're saying, the words that are coming out your mouth. You know, you mm. sound like you listen to Fox News and shit like it's so it's 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 crazy the way I keep just thinking about language and that's why I want to get better because it just sounds I just sound mean sometimes but it's just like mm. how do you live in a white supremacist country <laughs> right and it's it's an important like people listen when real emotion is being shared and it hits a different way than when you come at it just like very factual and you know um from a more mind-based place and when you start speaking from those emotions it's like you can't look away you have to hear what's what has been what is like and you know it takes a lot um I'm sure emotionally to be able to be so vulnerable and in real time and just say what's on your real mind time. Yeah. Real time. Yeah. That that's true too. And it's something like I've been thinking a lot about because through the quarantine, I haven't had, you know, obviously the same stimulation that I was used to in regular life. And so I would start like I would just be sitting on my couch and I'd be like vibrating and shit. I'm like, what is this? Yo, what is this? And then I'll walk outside and I'm like, no, no wonder the fucking moon is this big, you know? Like oh shit, I gotta go outside and just be with the Luna for a second because I'm yeah. feeling like I got a howl. And then, so mm. I started getting a little bit more into looking at the stars and the moons because I used to think crystals and astrology were some white people hippie shit that I don't know nothing about. But as I start to look into it a little bit more and really just start to find the right guidance that speaks to me, I'm like, yo, I was on fire. So the mm. heat don't feel like nothing when you're on fire. Like uh bring the ice too don't work over here you know what I mean like so it's kind of it, it was kind of in that motion where I have I have to do it in real time otherwise I might not have the energy to do it at another point in time and so I really felt like I was on fire you know like yeah. burning and I have to like I got a frog in my throat you know like mm -hmm. I couldn't it was weird that it was almost like I couldn't not say nothing I had mm -hmm. to say something. And honestly, mm -hmm. I feel like it's powerful and it's, it makes me feel like I, I can hone my power and I can be responsible for my power and I can um, try to focus my power in the direction of building a new, you know? Like, I think I was focusing so much on just burning the fucking current that I wasn't focusing enough on the new. And so I think the new is like, I mean, the, the nicest way to say it is like creating a web of people that you can trust and support and understand that they're navigating in a conscious space, you know? So it's kind of a weird, I think it's just a weird time to be alive in, mm -hmm. <laughs> in America, yeah. especially, I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for sharing how you've been connecting with 
you know, the earth and the, the cosmos and how, yeah, it's interesting. Like we all do have that connection and that through our ancestors, you know, who are closer to the land and how even that starts to feel estranged. Like we start to feel estranged from, um, but I think maybe we can go in the direction of talking about like, uh, how, I mean, let's talk about movement and well, actually the first thing I wanted to say was um, like you said, building a new building, like, so that's what inspired me to, to hold this conversation series is like, okay, now people are looking at me for something that I don't want to talk about anymore. I don't want to <laughs> give any more power to this woman or this movie. It's like, and, you know, I've had people say, oh, I watched it because of you. And actually it resonated with me or something like that. And I'm like, I don't want to be oh. advertisement for this. <laughs> yeah, that's no, fucking so, painful. Yeah, that was interesting to hear. Um, but then I was, uh, you know, like, well, what's the solution and the direction? And I also don't have the answer. But I think part of the problem is like, you know, that strippers and sex work and uh, like has been strippers have been dehumanized and sex workers have been dehumanized and also you know there's like this overarching colonial lens over a colonialist lens over how we interact with our bodies like how we interact with our sexuality and it's from such an overarching puritan lens that we don't even know that that's we don't even realize that that's how we interact with our own bodies Mm-hmm. So that's why I was inspired to like to hold this conversation series, even though it's so much, I mean, it's still so it's new and it's not like it's new for me to talk about. Um, but I feel like that's the direction the conversation, part of the direction the conversation has to go in. Um, and so I guess I would like to, to, to bring it to, to your, to your involvement in the poll community and like how you got there and, um, I guess we could just start there and then bring it into like the further question about how the, how the poll community interacts with stripping. Right. Okay. So this is honestly, this is, I, I love this story because I feel like I, I never get the opportunity to speak on how I started pole dancing. And so I, I, I used to be a, a, um, in community college and in community college, I took like, you know, dance classes. They actually had a dance thing. And so I was just doing my regular, you know, um, general ed, and I would also sign up for these dance classes. And the dance teachers would be like, Nadia, are you not going to study dance? And I was like, study dance? Bitch, I need to make money. You know, like I have bills to pay, study dance. I Cute, cute. But mm. what am I going to be a dance teacher? <sighs> okay. And so, <laughs> you know, like this is literally how I thought. And I just did it right. for pure enjoyment. It was just an opportunity for me to take real dance classes for free. You know, I was on financial aid, student loans, blah, blah, blah. So after I transferred to a technical university, um, I'm uh, studying electrical engineering. And when I transferred, that's what um, I ended up completing that is I no longer had access to these like dance curricular activities because it's a technical university now. And so I was like, I want to find an adult outlet. I'm 21 years old now. And I'd like to not take dance classes with 16 year olds, you know, and mm. also I can't really afford anything like bougie. So I'm just on YouTube now. 
And so with YouTube, I was like researching all kinds of stuff. I was actually thinking about more of being a street performer um, at Venice Beach. So I was looking at like break dancing and like urban kind of backyard shit, like to try to make this like ninja acrobatic kind of, I don't fucking know, okay? And so then I end up on just a wormhole through YouTube and I find pole dancing. And I'm going through a lot. I see Pantera, I see Janine Butterfly, I see, you know, all these, all these people. And they're like, wow, 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 cool. And it wasn't until I saw Felix Payne where she was wearing the shoes and the lighting and really the drama of her hands. And she didn't look like, like a ballerina to me. She looked like a poised stripper. She looked like a stripper. And the situation looked stripper-ish. You know, it didn't look like a fitness expo. It didn't look like some weird dog fight. It looked like a, you know, lush red velvet kind of sexy lighting like this. And I was like, holy shit, this is what's up. I could probably make some money like that. Mm. Right. So I'm like, oh, right. And so I'm like, okay. So I literally, I told my mom, my mom, she's Latina. She's very, very feminine. And she always wanted me to be less of a tomboy, more girly and tap into my femininity more and like get boyfriends to pay for my stuff and like really weird shit, you know? So when she mm -hmm. saw it, she was like, yes, honey. Yes. And so I ended up getting a piece of Ikea, like closet rod, and I drilled it into my ceiling and everything. And this is what I thought of, oh, where was I going to find a pole? You know what I'm saying? So I drilled it in and I would just watch YouTube. I would drink Sparks. They're now illegal. They're like the half energy drink, half booze or whatever. Get you like. <laughs> so then I would try this shit, you know, I was trying or whatever. And so it was just something fun that I did for myself for a couple months. And then my mom, she told me about Jumbo's Clown Room. It's like Hollywood. I don't know. I don't know where you are, but it's like a Hollywood kind of bikini bar, kind of freaky deaky from the 70s kind of wow. rocker style. I used so, to live right around the corner from it. Oh, okay. So, you know, okay. So, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. Jumbo's, right? Okay. Uh -huh. So, my mom's like, you should go and check it out. So, I start going to Jumbo's as a, a client or how you call it, a customer. And basically, I'm closer to a regular now at this point. Like, I'm loving this, you know? And I was supposed to meet my girlfriend there. And she, she, she left me like high and dry. Like, she didn't show up. And I got kind of buzzed by myself. And it was slow. And and I was telling the bartender, like, yeah, I love it. I love it here. She's like, why do you come here all the time? I said, oh, because I'm trying to pole dance. So I just love seeing all the girls and whatever, you know? She's like, you pole dance? I'm like, yeah. She's like, prove it. So I'm like, oh, shit. Mira, let's go. So I'm, I just go in my little Walmart underwear and the fucking stripper heels that are in the back room that are just random. And I dance mm. to Days and Confused by Led Zeppelin. Like I could fucking carry that eight minute song or whatever. <laughs> and I don't know what I was doing, to be honest. But she was like, you know what? If you want a job here, you got a good wingspan, she said. Mm. And I was like, okay. She's like, what do you want your name to be? I said, Roxy, like Roxy Hart. Mm. Original, right? And she's <laughs> like, we already got a Roxy. You like rocks? How about pebbles? And I said, okay, that's good. Like pebbles and bam, bam. I like that. Yeah. Cute, yeah. That, yeah. It's suiting too. And so I was like, cool. I worked there for three months. And I think that's where I really learned my style, learned how to freestyle, learned how to dance, work a crowd, make money. Not that I was good, but it taught me a lot. You know, like I got better. And then um, I ended up leaving. So it was like a summer job for me because I didn't, wasn't in school. 
And so when the semester came, I went back to school and I stopped working in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I was just still enjoying myself um, in my home pole. I got a real pole at this point and things were looking up. And I was still on YouTube. And I seen on YouTube that there was a, the first competition outside the strip club. This was Pole Star Invitational 2008. So I'm like, what? A pole competition? The winner gets 10 Gs. I said, I can't believe this, right? And they were like, you come and audition in real life, in person, at this pole studio called Exposition. And so I'm like, pole studio? I didn't even know this was a thing. So I'm like, I just want to go and audition because I want to see this pole studio. And I go and I audition. And the person I auditioned for, it's the first time I ever met her, was the queen of sexy, AMD, Anne-Marie. And Mm. I didn't know she was going to be my fucking bestie till today, that day. You know what I mean? But that was the day that I met her and whatever. So I end up, long story short, that that studio ends up reaching out to me maybe six months after the competition and to offer to train me to be an instructor. And that's how I started my pole career is kind of between jumbos and expositions. I got a job as a pole teacher. And then I went on to just do competitive pole dancing through my education, through my, you know, through mm-hmm. while I was in school. And so once I graduated, I had some titles under my belt and I was like, good job, bitch. You did the do, yes. you could go ahead and have your job now. And pole dancing was fun. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, that was fun. Oh, I'm ready to make money. I'm still eyes on the prize. I still got money to make. My mom was poor. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to make money. And so I'm like, okay. And it starts to test me that I can't do it. I start breaking down. I start tripping out. I start getting a, a, a twitch. I start saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started fucking tripping. And I was like, I can't be here. And I ended up leaving and luckily it was perfect timing that people were taking notice to me from you, two YouTube videos that I didn't even post of me and they wanted to hire me. They wanted to, to show me something else and they just took me. They took me, they mm. toured me, they, they allowed me to make money and, and, and go about. And I think that's how a lot of it started. My story is not that unique in the beginning. So you see people like Marion, like Marlo, like people that really like have continued this path and really hone their, their craft and really take it serious. And it always came from a stripper place. It was always inspired by strippers and nobody ever really cared to say anything other than that. Like, Oh yeah, it was sexy. Yeah. Mm. You know? And then, mm-hmm. and then it went into this other way where it was like contemporary. And then we were taking the shoes away to try to gain some respect and whole sport. And I'm like, huh? Because here's my opinion, is you put this in the Olympics, it's not going to be good. That ain't it. Not for me. I'm not looking for respect. I'm not looking for cleanliness or to clean up. No, I'd rather keep it underground in the basement with the red light on. Hope pose Mm. roll up. This ain't nothing new for me type of scenario, you know? So Mm. it's kind of like trying to clean it up was to me always a bad move like and so but it's not like I was trying to clean it up everybody else were was but mm-hmm. I was still wearing my hair down still dancing to rock music love my shoes shoes got bigger you know shit got more ratchet or more however you want to call it you know more 
what it what it was always about you know and to mm-hmm. never have to so then it's not to hate anybody that was trying to clean it up but we all know the reason you're trying to clean it up is for your money mm. uh, but who are you trying to clean it up for to make it comfortable for the white woman to come and pay centering the white wallets you're racist you know what I mean like mm. I don't know so it just became this commercialism um plus like this fame chasing Instagram like really weird thing but that's not how it started at mm. all mm-hmm. and so then it became this this thing where it's one thing to appreciate stripper culture which is how it was and then try to also I don't think there's anything wrong with separating it too it says hey we want to be inclusive but also the pole industry oh shit yeah the pole industry is is different from stripping it's it's not the same thing but we do have roots in stripping and we welcome strippers that's where we should have been but then you see weird shit like like competitions that say no sex workers that's real oh my god I did not know that, that was that. real that was real you know and that was real and then it was like uh well everybody's like yeah this ain't cool but also that's not my business so Mm. it's not up to me but now I just hope that you don't offer me a gig because I don't really want to work with you after that but now Mm. that's fucking with my money so now it's kind of like you know no it's not racist it's just about money but that's racist (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's just kind of weird like the way it kind of flip-flops so now I think there's there's a, a weird thing that happened in the pole industry where no we're not strippers this is like a grand narrative hashtag not a stripper mm-hmm. and which is something by the way that I didn't even when I would see it it didn't feel anything to me I didn't feel anything from it because mm-hmm. I would often say at my corporate job like no I'm not a stripper but I, mm-hmm. I do pole dance I do teach pole dance and I do um pole, pole dance competitions you know and it looks kind of stripperish it's a good time you should come but also it's not stripping because stripping is at the strip club where you make money off lap dances and the money on off your stage. You know, it's, it's different. And so it's yeah. kind of a, it was easy to say, ew, we're not strippers, <laughs> not me. And then that's the end of the conversation as opposed mm-hmm. to having to explain every single time the culture of the, this new industry that, I think that's the thing is it was born of a community. And then as we commercialize, it's now an industry. And I think the industry Mm -hmm. has been, there's a lot of people in the industry that are clearly fucking up, clearly. I mean, that's why people are like, cancel culture. It's like, no, that's problematic. (laughs) So it's just so much that we see within the pole community, the way I see it, it's like, uh, strippers are the homeless and the pole dancers are the uh, privileged citizens or whatever. Mm. And so you could look at it that way too. And then you see the same kind of interactions happening there too. Like uh, people were like, oh, I'm so scared to speak out. And after what you said, and after we saw, you know, what happened. And I was like, you guys being scared of black strippers is the fucking problem. To me, black strippers are not the scary part. I, I shit on a bunch of Russians. That was scary. You know what I mean? Mm. That was scary. Not the black strippers. Like you got your your fears all twisted and shit. You know, mm. like it's kind of it's it's just kind of obvious. 
like when people's mentality is still within a white supremacist, you know, circling in there. And I understand that because of the words that are being shared and it's within the community. So I'm not trying to cancel nobody, but how do you say like, you sound like Fox news. Right. But I think that's kind of where we are. That's how I feel. So that's also why I've tried to separate myself and why now at least artists have artists have the power to be their own entity and their own brand. And I think this is where we can make a difference and succeed and do better when you don't have to rely on somebody else's brand that you have to maintain as an employee there. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. Give the artist the power. That's what we always wanted. Right. But it's a and lot, with, I know. With social media too, and you know, a lot of people shit on social media, but it's like, who was going to give, like, like, we all have a mic now. And if yeah. it resonates, you can build an audience. And if it, you know, and I think that's really been, been, been powerful. Um, in communities that are like marginalized and underground and and because who else was going to talk about this you know what I mean and I see like I've seen um, you know a recent interview on tv I saw with Sheila Kelly after the movie and it's like there's not there has been no accountability taken and she's so in broad daylight and unapologetic about it that it made me just realize how willing like how willing we are to just not we I mean I I mean how I was even complicit in allowing her to stay on her pedestal you know and and just feeling like the imposter in the scenario because she's the one with the the stage that's bigger she's the one with the money and um fuck that (laughs) you know and that I mean and that's what it is that's really what it is is that these these people in power on pedestals are literally getting away with exactly what we see them getting away with on repeat. And then there's a bunch of just like ants scattered everywhere. And, and, and it's like, that's what we are, you know? And some of us, that's why I think it's like, I keep thinking about, this is why we join gangs and shit. This is why we uh, build communes and cults to try to escape the reality that we're in. Whereas all these people in power literally accountability they're like huh what does that mean um I think you're 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 hurting my character right now mm. and then you're like what <laughs> it's such a patriarchal model it's like I just mm-hmm. want to maintain the power over everyone and mm-hmm. if you question me then it's then you know like I should be unquestionable and I don't I think that kind of leadership has to expire for anything to go forward <laughs> expired yes I hope that expires and I think that's the hard part too is like how do you tell everybody that's supporting this this very harmful uh way of being uh hey you're supporting it it's Mm. you it's you what we're fighting it's you (laughs) and Mm. it's not you that I'm mad at it's how you can't see your own programming and you are what you eat and this is what you're eating up so it's you And so that's the kind of weird part that I think people start to say, oh, you're causing divide. The divide is there. You just learned about it today. The divide has Mm. always been there. The divide has always existed, but we just try to tiptoe and not disrupt 
And then as soon as we start being disruptful, we're immediately discredited. But guess what? We don't have any laws that help us. All of our laws are, mm. are not dictated on ethics. So we have no governing ideology to guide us, you know, through these things of how to denormalize fucked up shit, like how to say, hey, I know you've seen this a thousand million kabillion times, but it's wrong. And this is how it affects people. And then they're like, oh, you're, you know, <laughs> but you know, right. and so also what's important and what's not important is really always this, this thing. So I think everything is important. The words coming out of our mouth are important. The actions we're doing on the daily are important. The way you mindlessly disconnect is important. You know, all of those things, like everything makes makes this world go around. So I think everything needs to be examined all over again. And you're right, like even with, okay, so even with movement, like you were saying, like, this is a trippy ass scenario, but, and a, a very weird thing that I've had to come into understanding is I started to realize that I was, I don't know if this is problematic to say, it, sexually, aroused by amputees and I found out in a really weird kind of way but it was over time over a bunch of scenarios with drinking involved so the guard is down of what is reasonable and so I was like wow that's fucking weird what is that what is that and I think there is this innate um curiosity of how I see people move that do not have the normal facility and so, for example, AM, um, when she, you know, she lost her toes and then later had to do a second amputation, um, I spent a lot of time with her. And I'm, every time I see her, she's got a different mechanism to help her. And so when she sits down, I always pick up her cane or I always pick up her crutches or I always try to figure out how it is that she's moving through the world. And she's mm -hmm. like, you're the only person that finds this interesting. You know, you're the only person that really wants to try everything. And I'm like, it's something that I don't know what it is but it exists. And so even when I started to see her in between items and she would have to sit on her ass and then use her one leg and then her two hands to just like pick up her ass and scoot. But when I watched her do it, I was like, damn, you're good at this. The efficiency mm. at which you are traveling, I have to try. And so I go and I try and I'm like, shit, I'm at 5%. I think I can plug this in. Um, so I go and I try and it was just like, wow, it was like a whole different part of my brain was functioning in a way that I've never, I've obviously never tried before for any reason. And it was just like, kind of like learning a new language. It was kind of like also realizing how adaptability is what makes us superior humans. If there, any, if there is any such thing as a superior human, it's how well you can adapt to the circumstances mm. that are ever changing. And so to me, I was really inspired by that. And then I would try to share it with my, my movement friends or my dance friends. Like, hey, have you seen how AMD gets around? Let me show you. And they'd be like, uh, and I'd be like, try, just try. And they're A, hesitant to try. Why? I don't know why. So the hesitation mm. is already, that's your programming speaking. 
that you feel so uncomfortable to just sit your ass on the floor and try to move another way? Why is this? Mm. So that already kind of shows you that. And the people that are more willing are, you can see are more creative, open-minded thinkers. And then the ones that, then, then I force everybody to try. I just keep peer pressuring. And then you see how able they are to adapt. Like people that, that got that toe point that just never goes away. Honestly, you cannot do this movement well with the toe point. Mm. And it does not work well, period, you know, mechanically, biomechanically, whatever. And so then I start to think like, damn, you got programmed deep, you know, like you can't, you're having a hard time to physically adapt. I wonder what's happening up here, Mm. you know? And and so it kind of does show like the rigidness of the patriarchal posture um, society and point of views that have just been so subliminally just you know, Mm -hmm. cram down our throats on repeat. Mm -hmm. And you almost have to be like an anarchist to, that's why I always, that's why I always knew I was never um, horophobic is because I always loved the extra slutty people because to me, that was anarchy. To me, Mm -hmm. that was the rebellion. To me, that was punk rock. To me, that was sticking it to the man, you know, like Mm -hmm. the hoe, she's not going to be the one to judge me if I'm doing rails in the back or whatever. Like, we're all in this together. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's kind of, it's kind of always been my people and people that I feel are more open-minded, creative, adaptable humans. And so it's kind of interesting to see where we lay our priorities on and, and what we admire, what we admire as a collective is I think mm. the most disturbing is the most disturbing part, I think. Mm. I know I I don't I don't know that there's any like closing like I could go on and on and on but it's the more rigid your movement the more rigid your mind if you're Mm. forcing everything in your movement you're trying to force it up here too but really true dance is to fall into it not to force to Mm. go ah not you know what I mean there's a (laughs) I don't know how to explain it but there is something about it being organic Mm-hmm. it being and I think this is like you know this is why I think a lot of like white culture or whatever is it promotes this kind of yeah this puritan idea of basically hating whores hating sluts hating anybody that's got too much going on looking too much you know mm-hmm. or doing too much or not getting married or whatever you know And so then it's kind of like the only way out is you either have to, you almost have to be a sex worker. You Mm. almost have to like, it's either you get married and have kids or you could be a playboy bunny. That's how my mom always explained it to me. Like, of course Mm. I always wanted to be a playboy bunny. You know, it was either that or I had to have kids. Mm. So that's it. And so it kind of showed me like, if you want to be a single independent woman, you better learn how to make money. And because education is kind of new for us, my mom was like, you're going to college? Mm. Or what? You're going to be an engineer? Guess this? Well, you know, like what? And it was like, yeah, mom, so I can make money and not have to rely on men. Because men, they didn't do you too good neither, you know? Like, mm. so mm-hmm. it's kind of this weird society where now we have to pave a new way and, and, and make space for, a new understanding that is not patriarchal, but we don't know any other way. Right. 
So then it's yeah. kind of like, we have to make up some new rules. Like we need our own 10 commandments or something. I don't know, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's kind of I mean, a strange place. There's the male gaze and then there's the male gaze that we've internalized and use it on ourselves and each other. And then there's like, how do we get to the authentic expression underneath all these layers and we just keep trying you know like keep trying different ways like you said of connecting to self and surrendering into movement and like letting it flow out instead of like placing yourself in certain ways mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah it's it's so yeah it's like we're gonna fuck up along the way of trying to mm-hmm. get somewhere better but at least like to try I think is is like what I'm committed to um, and I know you are as well because uh, that's very obvious in the, in, the, in the way that you speak and show up in the world and I'm just I hope that this grateful. is just the beginning you know that yeah. I think a lot of these conversations are going on and, and there's not really like one hard topic or one hard thing because it's again it's kind of sprinkled everywhere <clears throat> so I think to try to just look at it from every different pinpoint and and narrow it down to a, a consumable understanding of like how to what are the questions to ask people to guide them in the direction of undoing the the damage of living in this society you know what are those totally questions you know one question yeah. I, I, I was I was wanting to do in the very beginning is to ask a series of questions to a bunch of different people and then compare their answers but what I noticed right. is right after the BLM people they couldn't speak it was like I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm too scared. I'm going to get canceled. And it's like, uh, I can feel that your, your fear and that's exactly not where we want to be, you know, mm. like let it go. Nobody's, nobody's going to cancel you. And, and so the question I, I wanted to ask is to a bunch of different people was who are your people? Mm. And, and I think what ends up happening is the more marginalized you get, they will identify with exactly who they are. You know what I mean? So when somebody mm-hmm. asked me that question, I said, if I'm in the hood or I'm in jail, I'm Rasa. If I'm trying to get a college application or a job, I'm Pakistani, period. Mm-hmm. Those are my two options. But when you ask other people, they'll say like, oh, who are your people? Like, oh, dancers or people that like tennis or people that like, you know, they start naming hobbies or, or things that you have fun doing. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of this weird thing where it's like half of us are just having fun because we can and then half of us are are in the nitty-gritty of or not nitty-gritty but in the in the minutia of the details of examining how to move forward in mm. this kind of existence and so even we are not speaking the same thing but we work the same job or we're we're in the same community but we cannot see each other or speak to each other in a a different tongue a different mm. you know like it's I end up just just sitting with it and staring like how do you examine this to like you said like peel the layers and yeah. when do you give up and then when do you keep going and when do you just say that's enough with that let's go over here you know right mm-hmm. but I mean as of right now it's kind of like also responding to what's happening so obviously with all the anti-Asian rhetoric and all the hate crimes and everything it's like obviously we've already been together we already have a protocol let's do the same thing here and let's keep this motion going you know to where when something happens we can react and even give more support to the organizations that are doing prevention 
And I think that's the weird part is like, they say, oh, you know, the, the radicals are turning into the police. And a piece of me is like, I got a joke for that. My name is not a Sharif, but you can call me Sheriff if you want to. You know what I mean? Like there's a new fucking Sheriff in town. It's right here. Like these are my rules and my laws that you're gonna have to abide by if you wanna be in my space. Cause it ain't the laws that are out there. I don't know what you guys mm. are thinking. I don't know what is happening. So it's kind of like, we are the police, you know? And so we're trying to do a policeman's job except I never wanted to be a popo day in my life. But mm. if I'm not the police protecting my block, protecting my family, protecting my body, who is? Damn. Who is then? If it's not me, then who? Is it the man? Mm. Is it my man? <laughs> no, I gotta fucking police his ass too. Mm. So it just kind of, it's just kind of weird that honestly, like even with women, I'm having a hard time, you know, like particularly rich white women, you know, like it just happens to be that way. Mm. And it's, it's hard because it's like, Do you help or do you just cut them off? Do you guide or do you burn the bridge? Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where I'm at personally. With some of them, I'll just be like, light the match, burn the bridge, don't care. But sometimes I'm like, okay, but it's everywhere. (laughs) Right. You can't burn every bridge, you know? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's. It's kind of like you said, just creating spaces and creating um, boundaries around around. Like you just said, I have um, a colleague named Hawan who just shared a post today, and it was it said, you know, like my I do not do business with people who are in who deny that white supremacy is real. Like I just that's not I don't do business. That's my right. rule. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like just create it and and when you see that and if you're still in denial hopefully it forces you to think I don't know like I I would hope that there's more thought happening but at the same time it's like this is just period you know this is this is this is my rules and this is like how I'm moving through the world now and you're either with it or you're not and I'm like I don't have time for anything in between so I feel you on that. And the question that I wanted to ask you before we kind of close out, because we've been talking for a while here and it's been so amazing, so good to hear your your thoughts on everything that we've talked about. Um, but I would just love to hear like, what do you think pussy power is? How do you? You know what? I, I, I was talking about this when I was describing my mom is I know that pussy power, like sometimes I think the trans community, they get kind of irritated about the, the genitalia thing or female, whatever, whatever. So I would say it like this, is it really has nothing to do with men and women or anything like that. It has to do with cats and dogs. So if you're a cat, I know how cats act. You know what I mean? So if you have to act like a cat to get what you need, let the dog pay you. Whatever that is, (laughs) let the dog chase you. Go back to being the cat and let the dog be drooling. This is, I think, the power of the pussy. Mm. I don't know if that's exactly what (laughs) we're looking for, (laughs) but that's how I keep thinking of it. That it is a powerful place to be that. 
<laughs> mm, I love that. I, I'm just curious, like what these words, how they land with people, you know, because pussy power, you know, this is what I'm continually talking about. I love the idea of pussy power and the the feeling of it. The, Me like, too. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to continue to ask people, like, what does that even mean to you? And where does that, how does that land for you? So thanks for sharing that. That's, <laughs> I love that. Nice. Um, and how can we support you? Like, how, what are you? Um, honestly, and... yeah, the, the only thing that I do, I, my, my job is, you know, uh, with twist and movement and I am the main Which labor source. Oh my God. I didn't I'm even wearing notice. my cat seat yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, twistedmovement.com and our Instagram, that's pretty much, um, that income supports three women. Okay. So I don't have another job. I don't get unemployment. I don't have no grants, no government help nothing. Um, I'm just hoping this stimmy does come through though, um, is, you know, so that is my, that is how I eat. That is how I pay my rent. And so that's where, you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't run the twisted movement Instagram to me. I cannot do business on the internet because it'll get me, uh, okay. It'll get me fucked up like this. So I, I keep my Instagram as very much so my shit. And, mm. you know, I do obviously cross promote twisted movement because money but really I think yeah following twisted movement getting on the twisted movement newsletter and checking out our our we're going to be running a sale over the next I don't know like starting today or tomorrow or something to also raise funds and awareness to you know the AAPI Mm. recognary like you know doing our our due diligence because it's it's it seems weird that as a clothing name brand that I that I should monitor these things but it would feel extra weird to not so it's, mm. it's a weird kind of place to navigate, you know, where it's like, yes, we're, we, we're running the sale because we do need money and we're also going to give money. So please give us money. <laughs> so we yeah. need money. Everybody needs money and it's getting harder and harder out here. So it's kind mm. of a, a weird space to navigate that too. So I think just keeping the money flowing to the people that you care about and you want to see more from is the act of rebellion okay do not spend mm-hmm. money on white supremacist owned companies period do not mm-hmm. have sex with white supremacists period put the pussy on lockdown period do mm-hmm. the don't forget you know don't forget you have a job too so everybody gotta yeah just do their part so that's that's what I'm doing. Every time I make money, I, I spend money in the right places. Mm-hmm. So that's all we can do is make our own network of our own, you know, finances. Absolutely. God, yeah. And I love my cat suits so Thank much. You. Thank you. I've had it for a while now. And like to get to talk to, you know, when I, when I first bought it, I didn't know you personally. So now getting to talk to you and wear it at the same time, I'm like, this is so cool. It is very <laughs> cool. It's very cool for me too. <laughs> Truly it is. And, and it's a huge honor. And I, I always got to say, I'm just so grateful for the community that really embraced all of me. And it really has given me just opportunity after opportunity and allowing my art to evolve, even through this, you know, through dance, to costumes to even my fucking Instagram I don't know what these are you know so it's very cool and I feel like I want to constantly be a servant to the community and serve the community to guide the community and that means taking ownership of my leadership and my power too so that's been a weird thing that I'm still trying to come into you know find that space that proper space totally me and you both 
Um, well, I appreciate so your grateful. time. Really, seriously. Yeah, so to, I appreciate to you. yours really too. Cool. So grateful that you were here, and so, so like you're just such a boss, such a badass. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your voice with my audience and with me. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate I you, you and I hope that it. I hope that it just keeps getting closer and closer to the truth as a collective, and more and more people sort of tune in to whatever it is is they need to hear to help them and guide them and heal them so mm -hmm. i appreciate you totally thank you so much have a good rest of your day all right you I'm too you thank now. you i'm gonna talk to you bye. soon bye I know you want more of Nadia in your life, so go follow her Instagram at thenadia33 and check out her epic dancewear at twistedmovement.com. These links are also available in the show notes. And if you feel activated by this conversation, I invite you to share it with a friend or coworker who you think would resonate and needs the reminder to speak their truth. If you want to receive ongoing support on your journey of pussy empowerment, I'd be honored to share my weekly newsletter with you. It's chock full of inspiration, invitations to things like my monthly dance parties, and tangible takeaways. Head to the link in the show notes to sign up. Have a powerful rest of your day.